I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to All Things Policy. Now, in Bangalore, many cab and auto hailing apps have tried to challenge the might of Ola and Uber and have failed over the years. But there's a new kid on the block who's doing something different and is acquiring more customers every day. So this app is called Nama Yatri. And to talk about about this app and what's so different about us, I have with me my colleague Shailesh Chitnis. Welcome Shailesh. Thanks Bharat. Now, if you use any of the big cab aggregator platforms, you would be in a situation where drivers cancel on you at the last minute or they ask you to cancel the ride and pay them outside the app. Now, drivers complain that the reason they do this is because they want to avoid paying hefty commissions to these platforms, which is not viable for them. So they say that they've gotten together and decided to build this app, which is called Namayatri. Now, so what is this app? How has it been built? And uh, why are we talking about this? So to answer these questions and set the context, I'll hand it over to Shailesh. Go ahead, Shailesh. Hey, thanks, Vahad. So um, I think, as you rightly mentioned, for those of us in Bangalore, hailing a cab and especially hailing a rickshaw is, is always an interesting experience. And a part of that user experience has to do with the fact that the drivers don't feel they are well compensated for their efforts. And so they're very selective about the kind of rides they, ex- they accept. Namaya 3 is, is an app that has been around, I would say, for three to four months. It was There was a launched end of November, but really I would say in the last two to three months is when there has been a uptick in, in its usage. Now, what is interesting about Namayatri is this is an app that has been built by essentially the auto rickshaw union using support from certain nonprofits as well as a private organization. So I'll just explain. The solution for the app was provided by a nonprofit foundation. It's called Foundation for Interoperability in Digital Economy. This is a group that is co-founded by Nandan Nilankini, and they have this framework called the Beckon Framework, and that essentially provided the solution for the app. The app itself was built by uh, this company called Just Pay Technologies, which is a payment processing company. And in partnership with the kind of auto drivers union, they have built out this app. Now, what is unique about this app is the fact that there is no commission charged. It's a direct transaction between the driver and the rider. And this is essentially the first app that is part of what is known as the open network for mobility, which again is a part of open network for digital commerce, which is ONDC. So I know I've I've run through quite a few different terminology, but what is interesting to understand here is this is not an app that is built by any private players, rather it's community supported it's essentially moving towards a co-op type model and so that is what makes it interesting and we can get into the exact kind of business model of this app in, in a second right just to add to what you said about ondc so ondc from what i understand it stands for open network for digital commerce and it basically what it tries to do is unbundle the buyer seller and logistics layers of a platform so now most platforms are two-sided in the sense that there's a buyer and the seller side on the same platform. And these platforms have network effects in the sense that the more participants that there are on that platform, the more value there is for both sides. Now, so these network effects kind of create entry barriers for new entrants who want to come into the market. And it's difficult for 
a new platform to acquire participants because of of these barriers. Now, what ONDC tries to do is that it it allows theoretically the buyer side platforms to be created separately, the seller side platforms to be created separately, and for all of these all of these platforms to interact with each other and share information and all of that. So that's basically what Namayatri has been built on top of. So it allows for a lot more use cases than what we have just spoken about. So we'll get into maybe some of these things a little later. But coming to what issues ONDC is trying to solve, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think we briefly uh, talked about it in the introduction, but uh, essentially um, the the biggest issue is that taxi and and rickshaw drivers frequently gripe that Ola and Uber charge a hefty commission. We've seen numbers between 15 to 20% as a commission that is charged by these ride-sharing apps for, for every ride. And when you couple this with the price caps that have been introduced, kind of drivers complain that they're not able to earn a lot. Secondly, they also frequently complain, and, and I think many of you must have had this experience, that they don't really like to take payment in credit card and kind of other terms. They, they prefer cash payment because they also complain there's delay in, in getting their payments. And so both of these issues lead them to kind of uh, their own solution where with Namayatri, there is no middleman. The rider directly pays the driver using cash or UPI. And again, there is no middleman, so there is nobody taking a commission. It's between the driver and rider. So that essentially is is kind of the issue. The driver gets to keep more of the money. And for the rider, again, I think the benefits are going to be that if more drivers are on that network, they're more likely to accept uh, those rights, then it's a better experience as well. Right. So now Amayatri claims that they have around 50,000 registered drivers on their platform. So this is out of the 1.4 lakh licensed auto drivers operating in Bangalore and around 25,000 unlicensed ones. Uh, they also claim that they have 6 lakh registered users and have generated a revenue of over 14 crores for these drivers. Now, the conversion rate that they are at, which is basically the ratio of the trips completed to the searches for autos on that platform is around 20%. And their goal is to reach to around 50%. Basically, every other person who searches for an app, I mean, for an auto gets one. So, and they seem to be doing quite well. So, this is in contrast with a lot of examples that we've seen over the over the past few years, where a lot of them have failed. So, you have Bangalore's own Namma Tiger, which was, uh, you know, piloted by Kumar Swami. Then there were, I think, Kochi had a cab and auto hailing platform, which the government had pushed for. There have been a lot of other ride hailing platforms like this, which have failed. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Namayatri and what their business model is like. Right. So there are costs to running and maintaining an app like this. So what is the business model for this platform and how viable is it? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. In terms of business model, like we discussed, it's fairly simple. It's a transaction between the rider and the driver with uh, no other kind of mechanism for any other middleman, right? So it's, it's between the two. Now, the challenge is, as you can imagine, building an app is expensive, maintaining an app is expensive, and every time you use the app, that itself is expensive. And it's not clear who's going to bear the cost for each of these things. So, for example, in terms of building the app, you had a company that I mentioned, JustPay, that built this app out. And then they have released it into the community with the expectation that the open source community will maintain this app. So that's how they took care of of building the app out. But if you even think about uh, using the app, every time you open it up, it typically has, for example, most commonly Google Maps as a mapping software. And so every time that gets used, the uh, app builder has to pay Google for that usage. 
So if that cost needs to be reduced, they need to move to an open source model for maps. Again, I'm not sure how good those would be, but that would be one option. And then more importantly, maintaining the app, adding features to the app, things keep breaking. All these things need to be maintained. And that I think is a big question mark in terms of who is going to bear the responsibility for maintaining that, for keeping the app up to kind of up to speed, adding new features, things like that. So in my mind, while the initial uptake has been good, initial reaction has been good as well. A lot of auto drivers I've spoken to have been very excited about it. And they said that they've stopped accepting uh, bookings on Ola and Uber. What remains to be seen is two to three months down the road when once you start having some glitches and things need to be upgraded, what is the kind of mechanism and what is the user experience. Right. Is there a possibility of subscription service or a commission that Namayatri could charge the drivers at a future point in time? Or is it something that's free for them right now, but could lead to a subscription model once enough uh, drivers have been onboarded? Yeah, see, uh, they they have mentioned that uh, in passing, but there has not been much kind of discussion around that. But I feel like that is to be the natural model because at the end of the day, somebody has to pay for it. And the natural point is the rickshaw drivers who are potentially maybe not paying 20% of the commission, but if you charge a certain fee that is much, much less than 20%, but greater than zero, then that is still a net positive for them. So that has to be the model that it needs to move towards. However, having said that, we all know that extracting money out of Indian consumers has is, is been a pretty difficult task, not just for um, kind of these kind of apps, but any kind of solution. So that remains to be seen. But I think for a sustainable business model or for a sustainable solution, there needs to be some kind of subscription model where the user, and in this case, the driver is the most kind of logical user. And of course, that cost gets passed on to the rider in one form or the other. Uh, they have to pay for that. I also wanted to kind of uh, pull on one other thread that you had mentioned at the beginning, which is uh, some of these apps have been tried in the past and and you went through a few examples. There's also another example I'd read recently where Mumbai taxi drivers had tried their own app. I think this was in sometime in in 2016. And that shut down because precisely for some of the reasons we, we talked about, which is the economics are not working out and the uptake just didn't line up. But I think there have been a few changes since then. The biggest, I would say, is this whole platform around ONDC, which makes it very easy, as you mentioned, to kind of unbundle the supply from the demand side and build out these apps. That is now kind of, that exists, which didn't exist before. The second is UPI and consumers' kind of willingness to use these kind of services and their comfort with using these kind of services and and apps, that has also gone up. So I think that there is definitely, it's a much different time than before. And the chances of this succeeding are are much higher given that kind of the frameworks are in place right now. Right. There are a lot of preconditions which are necessary for something like this to take off. And maybe a lot more of them are there in in the current time than, than maybe five years ago. Another interesting thing which I would like to talk about is like we discussed earlier ONDC unbundles the buyer seller sides of the platform and so theoretically it should be possible for Namayatri's drivers to be available when you search from another app say if a Paytm or a phone pay were to who are also on ONDC if they were to integrate and the drivers of Namayatri were shared with other platforms there should be theoretically it's possible that a user using a phone pay's customer facing application should be able to book drivers on Namayatri's driver platform so these kind of interactions or these kind of exchanges are possible on this platform so it's a really interesting use case and 
like we discussed it it reduces a lot of entry barriers for these platforms right yes it does though my my only counter to that i've been thinking about is if i'm ola or uber the kind of value proposition that i bring to the table is i pretty much control the end to end user experience and because i'm able to control the end to end user experience in terms of the driver partners that are on board uh, the app experience that you have as well as uh, on the consumer side i'm able to deliver a much slicker much more complete product so if now you start unbundling different elements of that it remains to be seen whether these large platforms would be interested in in kind of essentially participating in that in in only a fraction of the overall stack right so if you extend this out to for example the e-commerce side it's conceivable that the smaller e-commerce players that have not been able to make much of a dent like paytm tried and uh, there have been a few others they would be very interested in this because for them it's a net positive but if you think about amazon they have built out a complete end to end supply chain end to end supplier network fulfillment network as well as their front end what benefit they would get and would they want to kind of give up that benefit so to speak to get access to those consumers so that part i'm not clear on in terms of value proposition for the big players definitely the smaller players i can i can see that a lot more clearly right it's mostly the smaller players who have embraced the platform as of now so it, we need to see how this plays out over a period of time uh, now you mentioned about how an end to end service like what a bigger platform provides is different and we'll get into some of the drawbacks of the current model but before we get into that uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and discuss some of the problems that we can see with this model so welcome back everyone so we were talking about some of the potential drawbacks of the namaya 3 model based on ondc so there are some concerns about maintenance of, of the app and who takes care of uh, grievance redressal if there's any concerns from the customers say related to any issues they face during the ride or during payments or something like that so how big an issue is it for users to have these uh, grievances addressed or is it not such a big issue and the convenience of finding an app quickly and finding a ride quickly is that you know a bigger concern for for customers yeah so i think for something as as uh, basic as hailing a rickshaw which is typically over short distances and is very transactional i think you can get by without a kind of formal grievance redressal mechanism and kind of the counter would be if you if you hail a rickshaw off the road what's your grievance mechanism it's usually offline channels like going to the police or things like that right so it would be very similar here but then if you get into the larger uh, issues so for example if this gets used in taxi cabs and you're hailing a taxi in the middle of the night to the airport then we've already seen a lot of issues in india where you do need those mechanisms in place because there there could be serious issues there right so that is definitely a drawback of this current mechanism because there is no grievance redressal built in because it's a direct transaction between two parties now using the app you do have some information about the driver i'm guessing that for a driver to be onboarded they need to provide certain information but i would say it's fairly basic so now once you start adding grievance redressal you get back to the original question around the business model who bears the cost and things like that so that is where i think more thought needs to go into uh, into this particular business model because for small transaction type applications i think it's fine but as you start to scale this up say you want to apply this for uh, e-commerce and things like that you definitely need to have that end to end process who's going to handle returns who's going to be responsible for things if they don't appear in order things 
related to that. Yeah, that kind of, you know, we've covered a lot of things from right from how how it works to how the business model uh, runs to some of the problems that this model could face. So in closing, what can we see as the way forward? And are there any predictions for how you see this playing out? Yeah, so first and foremost, I think it's it's a very interesting approach, which is a mix of community funded slash open source way of kind of taking on some of the big tech platforms. So from that aspect, I think it's a pretty interesting idea. It's also interesting because it's a different way to take on big tech or large technology platforms, because typically, if you see in in, uh, other places, for example, the EU's approach of taking on big tech and their power has more to do with regulation around data algorithms. In US, it's more around regulating MNAs and and ex-ante market design, things like that. Whereas here, this seems more of uh, directly kind of removing the platform mode that these big tech platforms have by essentially separating it out the supply and demand. So from that standpoint, I think it's very interesting. Like we've already discussed, the big players like Amazon, Flipkart, Uber, Ola, they may not be interested in participating, but this certainly lowers the bar for entry for some of the smaller players to start offering services. So I think it's it's an interesting approach. It's a different approach. And it's one worth kind of thinking through how we can overcome some of the challenges that we've discussed. But uh, definitely, I think it's a, it's something worth pursuing for uh, for India, definitely. So just to add to that, uh, those final comments that you shared. So a lot of the big tech firms have, you know, offered discounts, sustained discounts over a long period of time to acquire customers. And they've been able to gain market share in the hopes that sometime in the future, they'll be able to monetize that. So ONDC now makes it much easier for newer entrants to gain market share. So this kind of an approach is different. It breaks down entry barriers. And but and another question I think we also need to ponder is, is there really a valid case for the government to intervene? Maybe for a country like India, you want more participation, but what impact will that have on the confidence that big tech firms have in coming and setting up shop in India? So all of these things are interesting questions to ponder. So how will this play out? I guess we'll have to wait and watch. Thanks, Shailesh. It's been nice having this conversation with you and I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this. So we'll see you tomorrow with another episode. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.